Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, guys, welcome to the two-month anniversary of Chief Concerns, the very first true Kansas City Chiefs debate-style show with former players and coaches debating the current team. Today, we have an extra special episode as we have legendary coach Dick Vermeule on today. Dick, it's an honor to have you on today, coach. Like, really, growing up as an 11-year-old boy, I could not see myself right now. You fast forward, what, uh, 15 years later, I I honestly couldn't imagine uh, sitting on a Zoom call with you during a pandemic right now, of all things, but I, I just... It's amazing to be able to speak with you right now, Coach. Well, thank you. I, anytime I get an opportunity to line up with these two guys, I'm going to do it, okay? Regardless of how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been a popular uh, name on this show. I, I know Jason's alluded to you multiple times through the episodes. Uh, and there's actually a couple things we I kind of want to talk to you about. Um, Here, go ahead. Uh, so Jason brought up, uh, it was the Raider <laughs> game. And it was that was that was the 05 season, Jason? Yeah, 05. Well, we, uh, yeah, one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was when we went for two at the end of the game, and yeah. Jason, J- Jason alluded to the fact that you weren't a, the biggest fan of kickers. Is that is that true? Yeah, they, you know, they bothered me. You know, they only <laughs> have one job to do, and they only get to do it once or twice a game, and then really? <laughs> upset me. You know, <laughs> just watch the games today. Even guys that are you know, they're like the Philadelphia kicker, he signs a twenty million dollar kicking contract over five year period. And he misses an extra point and a field goal yesterday or Sunday. My God. Yeah. yeah. You know, a high school kid wouldn't miss those. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, it's, it's kind of funny because you were you were the first ever special teams coach in the NFL, in NFL history. So how, how were those practices with the kickers then? 1969. It was straight on kickers. Bruce Gossett and David Ray were my two well, – David Ray was a wide receiver from Alabama that also was a kicker. But uh, Bruce Gossett was our straight-on kicker, full-time kicker. And, uh, you know, a 50-yard field goal then was a huge achievement, you know. And now, my gosh, they popped those through like the old 30-yard field goal. Yeah. It was a good experience because nobody else had a special teams coach. And no head coach was giving other coaches time to coach the teams. So it was really easy for us to make a big big difference each Sunday in how our teams performed. And uh, it really made a difference. We, I think we won 13 straight that year. And then we oh. ended up getting beaten in the championship game against the, the Vikings uh, that year before the, uh, the big games, yeah. Wow, that, that's awesome. And, and the other story that Jason did tell was um, a, a specific bye week story. I don't know, Jason, do you want, you want to tell that one? Or maybe, maybe Coach remembers where – I got a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a, I, so so. – so, coach, what I, what I what I was telling everybody is, you know, when we had bye weeks, you know, with certain coaches that wouldn't let you get away too far, right? We just just wouldn't let the chain release yeah. it too far to get away because right. you just knew what we would do if we if we did. We had just too much time on our hands. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, one year we ended up going out to Vegas, uh, E. Tony and a couple other guys, and we were supposed to be back that afternoon, the next afternoon, and I ended up missing the flight. And so, of course. You know, Tony swears up and down. He tried to wake me up. You know, he, he basically he abandoned me, coach. Let me put it yeah. that way. I'm just gonna say it, all right? Yeah. And so, you know, look, as being friends, you gotta you gotta wake those guys up. You gotta make sure I'm on the right. plane. So, I, so whatever happened, I missed a flight, and so I had the dreaded call, right? The, oh my gosh, I gotta call coach. I gotta you know make sure and let everybody know I'm missing a flight. And so it's like the the worst feeling ever. And when I called you, you know, you just started laughing and chuckling like in your old, you know, 
the laugh that you have, you know, just so you know, full of life and joy. And you're just like, yeah, JD, you, you're gonna have to pay for this one. <laughs> <laughs> and you, but you told, you know what though, Coach, you were so gracious because you just like, look, just be careful, get home on time, you know, get back on, you know, when you can. But you make sure you don't have to pay for this one. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember, you know, when I first started, my first year back in coaching after 14 years in broadcasting, St. Louis Rams, and, and, and they, they couldn't play dead. We were so bad. And we get our bye, and I'd never had a bye before. So I kept all the players during the week and had extra practices. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then we played worse. <laughs> <laughs> so the next year I, I gave him like three days off okay then the next year i let him off in fact the next year we had to buy the very first week and then the, you know the first week oh, wow. which was mm -hmm. great because it gave me an extra uh week of preparation for for, for the season and right went on and played but from then on i, I followed andy reed sort of sent the tone for that Andy, I think Andy Reid is, you know, he's a great football coach and a great, mm -hmm. and a great person. But anyway, he started allowing his players the whole week off and his coaches three or four days off and, and they come back and win. I said, well, if that works good for Andy, maybe it'll work for us. And that's, that's right. I changed. In fact, the other thing you might not remember or even realize in from 2005 all the way through my, no, from 2001 through five. We never went to the hotel the night before a game at home. That's true. That's you right. Know? That's and right. I tell, yeah. I tell people that, and they think I'm lying to them. I said, you know, to my knowledge, we never had a problem. My never Super did. Bowl year with the Rams, my Super Bowl year with the Rams, we never, that was the first time I ever did it. I just felt, you know, it's time we do some things a little different in this league. Mm -hmm. And I told some coaches that they, they don't believe we did it. They really don't. Man. Well, it's it's the same thing because you, you know you, you know you treat us like grown men because we are. You know we have families and and sometimes having that that sleep in your own bed, I mean, oh. does a lot. It really does. Well, I think too is it, I think if you show trust, you receive trust. Yeah, right. You know, mm -hmm. I really do. And even you know, and Eric, we always knew we always have a few guys who might be on the edge. You know, the <laughs> roster is one hundred percent clean. You know, we're <laughs> in a one hundred percent clean roster. But you know who the suspects are. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, to my knowledge, we never had a problem. And we had a, a good winning record at home. And, and the players enjoyed it. And, you know, the coaches enjoyed it. And I, I, I've said that to Doug here at, in Philadelphia and other people. And there's maybe they haven't coached long enough to realize sometimes giving players responsibility beyond the normal routine is good for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Coach, you mentioned uh, Andy Reid. Um, what, what did you kind of think of this, this, this past year, you know, kind of very, very similar kind of career as you, you know, went to Philadelphia, um, took, took the team to the Super Bowl there, didn't win, ended up going to a Missouri team and ended up winning the Super Bowl. What, what did that mean to you seeing Andy Reid hoist up the, the Lombardi in the, this past year? Well, you know, to me, first off, Andy Reid has the disposition and temperament that he could coach for 50 years. He could, he handles the highs and lows and the pressure extremely well, extremely. That's hard to do over long periods of time. Very few coaches have done it. Belichick has done it, you know, but very, it's tough to do. My emotional temperament was not conducive to long-term. Okay. It's just, and I was a lot better by the time I got to Kansas city, but I know uh, when you've been able to 
coached for 20 years in the NFL alone. And each year you critique your, you critique your own job as a coach and a teacher and a leader. You gradually improve things unless you're an egomaniac and think you're never wrong. And he, I think he's critiqued what he likes to do and added to it and, and learned from others and put together an offensive package that is very difficult. The only, maybe one of the worst things you can do against Andy right now is get get ahead early because all of a sudden he's going to open up all these other things and by God, he's got 21 points on him in four minutes. And yeah. what the hell happened? I shouldn't have been up 14 and up. And I think it's all because he's been there and experienced it so many times and he's handled the lows extremely well and he's not, he, he has handled the highs real well because he's not a big big ego guy you know and uh, he, he, I think he, I have so much admiration and respect the great story about that you guys might know this mm-hmm. I get a call from Clark Hunt he just lets the coach go and all this kind of stuff and he calls me and he, I'm, I'm here in Pennsylvania he says coach I've had some issues with my head coaches and I can't afford to make another mistake. What would you do if you were me? I said, Clark, and I had a good relationship with the Clark family. I said, Clark, you know, if I were, there's only three guys out there that can come in there and do what you have to have done. I said, one of them is Andy Reid, one of them is uh, John Gruden, and the other is uh, Bill Cower. I said, any one of those guys are football coaches and leaders and they've got the background and they can come in and they'll get that thing going again for you. And he says, well, coach, he says, I don't think John Gruden wants to coach again. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that Bill Cower doesn't want to. I said, then go hire Andy Reid. So we have a conversation. He hangs up. Two hours later, I get a call from Andy Reid. Again, I'm very impressed. He says, coach, tell me about Kansas City. My first three words were take the job. <laughs> it, it is a great place to coach, a great place to live. You've got great ownership. They need some guidance. They got to get the organization uh, put back together again. So they're all working in the same direction. They had a general manager there for a while uh, after Carl. And the guy was really tough. You, all you guys know. It. Yeah. yeah. If you walked into the hall, you walked in the hall, you had to have a police guard. No way was I going to go back to Kansas City and have somebody escort me around the freaking building, you know. Yeah. But it was just not bad. That was a different approach. And, and Clark stepped up and he flew into town and hired Andy Reid. And, uh, and, because Andy wasn't going to lay out. He was going to coach. And they, what a great decision that was for him. It was. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that decision. Yeah, me too. You know, and Andy helped me a lot when I came back. I was out of coaching. And when I came back in at, at – he helped me. I'd call him and visit with him. And, but, you know, other guys did, too. I'd talk to him during the season. Yeah. So uh, I, I didn't know that story. So I, I, so I guess Coach Ramil's the one who signed the recommendation letter over to get Andy Reid to KC. I, I love that. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, when you're in, in an a ownership position, sometimes you don't feel the real pulse of what those guys coaching are all about. You know, yeah. a lot of owners make mistakes. A lot of owners have made mistakes in hiring somebody that was an offensive coordinator somewhere, but is he a leader? Is he an overall program guy? Can he handle the structure and the discipline of the program? Can he get the personnel department going correctly? What kind of, uh, what kind of uh, control are they going to give the guy? You know, uh, it, it makes a big difference when you get the right package together. 
Yeah, it makes a difference in just, just just the title. I mean, you can't just be just a coach. You got all yeah. that stuff that you just named. Oh, yeah. It comes along with it. No question. Yeah. And, Coach, I'll allude to, to something else also because actually we, we, we all kind of made the same uh, uh, pilgrimage, you know, because I started in Philly, came out of Kansas yeah. City. And it, it's and also, too, when you talk about dealing with the media, right? Yeah. And so it, it became easier because, you know, in Philly, how the fans are on the media, how they just get on you, man. It, it's, you ought to be it's, here now. You ought to be, you think, I, I can't oh, believe about it. <laughs> Poor Carson Wentz and, and, and Doug Peterson. It's amazing. It, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it never changed, Coach. I, it never changed. So, that, you know, that's Philly for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it helped me when I came back after the 14 years out to put all that stuff in proper perspective. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I told Doug this, I, before you go into a meeting with the media after the game on Monday, prepare all the questions they're going to ask and prepare all the answers and then go in there and give them all the answers before they ask the questions. Then all of a sudden the meetings, they don't know what to ask you. <laughs> you control everything, right? Control, yeah, control just it all. lay it out there. This is why we lost. This is the mistakes I made. Yes, we broke down at the right corner. We got beat deep again, damn it. You know, something like that. And, lay it out, and then all of a sudden, their questions, they don't have anything else to ask because a lot of them don't know a hell of a lot about football. You know, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so you mentioned that, Coach. I, I First off, I want to apologize because I felt like if I didn't play in our Indianapolis games, we could have won a Super Bowl that year. But I was hurt, ended up having back surgery immediately after that that uh, that game. And, uh, you know, our, that was the, the game that we didn't punt. Yeah. No, no yeah. not one team punted. That's the only playoff game in the history of the league that needs Yeah. And uh, so right now, our, our defense isn't playing all that well, and our offense is just phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, kind of like we were back in those days when we were on, on track to go to the. Yeah. The, the advantage the defense has now, Eric, is the pass rush is better. And they get sacks from different people. You know, that, that inside defensive tackle, Jones, when he wants to, he can go get the quarterback. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's a monster. Yeah, and, you know, he's immature a little bit, I think. And sometimes he's not as consistent as you'd like him to be. But if they stay on, stay on his butt, he's going to earn every dollar because he can disrupt you inside. And then the outside rush, you know, they've been able to get pressure on people. And we were never uh, able to get pressure without uh, putting too much pressure on the defense itself. And that really hurt us. And in that ball game, remember, Priest got the breaks a long run, and the guy comes up from behind him and knocks the ball out from behind him. Working yeah. Jeez. Yes. A lot of things. And the other thing is, you know, Peyton Manning's beating a lot of people. You know, he has beaten a lot of people. And uh, I, I really felt uh, that we were a pretty good football team that year. We were a pretty good football team in 04, too. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And, oh, but oh five even better with the ten wins we don't get in the playoffs. So it, it, now, nowadays the old ten win will get in the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, so you guys mentioned a little bit about Chris Jones and the defense and, and the offense. Um, that's our first concern uh, this week. We uh, we won our fifth straight division title, but it, offense was kind of you know up and down this week. We with most amount of turnovers. Uh, uh, Mahomes has had uh, uh, this season. I think actually in a in a single game, it's the most turnovers yeah. he's ever had. Um, what was your uh, takeaways from uh, this game this weekend, Coach? Well, you know, I, even when he turned the ball over, I didn't think the other team, uh, Miami. I've seen Miami play a few times, and 
I've watched them, and uh, I didn't think they could beat Kansas City unless Kansas City helped them. Like New Orleans comes to town. New Orleans is maybe the best F team in the NFC, and all the stats say that. They come here and play a losing team that when you watch your offense for three weeks in a row, you can't believe how bad they are. So their defense is in the frame of mind, hey, we'll go win this one and move on. You know, well, they, the defense didn't come to play. And it was really demonstrated in no pass rush. And their strength is pass rush. So uh, those kind of things happen. But with the Chiefs, I, I just uh, – I don't think there's anybody, maybe Pittsburgh, that if the Chiefs just play well, they're going to win the football game. You know, and they got to stay healthy. You got to stay healthy because they can make up for two bad or three bad plays with one big play. I mean, that you know, that little guy going down the middle on the different things and, and how uh, clever they are at getting him the ball from time to time. You're not, they're not all just, I beat you one-on-one. They're different things. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and then the tight end, my God, he, he just reaches up over the top of people and just. Uh, so I, I think Kansas City is one of the few teams that could play minus turnover football in a game and still win it. It's very difficult to do. And I spent more time than anybody in the history of the league working on that stuff. And I gave it to a lot of other coaches. Now everybody does it with a computer. They have analytics. I did it myself. But, uh, I used to trade that information with Parcells for his information on all the officials that he graded. <laughs> I knew who was going to call holding. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, Eric, what were your takeaways from uh, Sunday? I mean, I kind of we we knew that this secondary was good, and I, you know, what is it? I forgot the guy that's playing the right corner that got the the late one hand interception. Yeah, you know, he's been having Xavier a Howard. He's been having a phenomenal season. I think that was his ninth interception on the year. So. Yeah. Uh, we knew that they were capable of playing good defense against us. It was just a matter of time before, you know, our offense explodes. Because there's no way you're going to stop them. Yeah. We'll just completely shut them down. We, there's just way too many weapons. And it's kind of like what we had back in our Coach Jamil days. It's like the offense was so potent. You know, you got Dante Hall that's running in the nickel, Eddie Kennis and, and Johnny Morton on the outside with Tony on the inside that you can play outside. Uh, and, and Priest is, you know, playing phenomenal ball also to where there's no way you can stop the offense. Yeah. But it's just a matter of how many how many stops can your defense give you uh, in order to, to, to let your uh, offense capitalize. And Well, you know, as I, Eric, what you're saying is so true. But what people, if they ever stopped and evaluated the offensive line when they were all healthy with us, three of them are already in the Hall of Fame. Okay. The left tackle, the right guard, and the tight end. Brian Waters is now nominated for it. And we all know what kind of player Brian Roberts. Oh, yeah. Waters was, brother. Brian Waters. My God, I mean, you talk. And then Casey Greatman. My God, what? I don't think there has been a better offensive line than that at any time in the National Football League. So, I can think of. Oh, I agree. Oh, it was unbelievable. So there was, even if we played like the best defensive front we played in 04, remember we were 0 3 and go to Baltimore? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we we, we kicked the ball. Running the ball. Yeah. Running the ball. Yeah, and we probably didn't do that often enough. Just line up and let them play, you know, just knock the hell out of them. But, uh, you know, it's a little hard to do that sometimes when you your defense might give up 27 points. That's true. <laughs> and, you know, 27 points isn't a bad standard anymore. Right, you know, that's true. Right. That's not a bad standard anymore. But uh, anyway, they're, they're, just, they're, they're fun to watch. 
They are. Talk about fun to watch. Did any of you watch the Monday night game this week? Oh, yes. Yeah, that no, Baltimore yes. Cleveland. Yeah. Was that a football game? Oh, my yeah. God. That, this yeah. is the best game I've seen in years. Well, Coach, I'll tell you what, this, you know, kind of going to that, you know, after seeing uh, the game, you know, because that was, that was my sentiment also is that Pittsburgh was probably the only team that would, would, would that I was kind of like, look, because they had a great defense. I mean, they lost uh, Bud, but then they had, a, you know, offense was, 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 was very potent. But now after seeing Cleveland, Cleveland looks like the real deal. And so it, it to me, it, it, you know, they got that two headed monster running the football uh, with Chubbs and, 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 and Kareem. Yeah. You know, they got some decent receivers and their defense. That's another thing that, that causes problems uh, with, with their defensive line. Yeah. And, and they got a great secondary as well. Yeah, uh, so you know, I, I think competition brings the best out of Baker Mayfield, too. I've been yeah. around him a few times now. Right, right. I've been uh -huh. around him in different banquets when he was just coming out as a kid. And mm -hmm. there's something about him as a coach you like. And, you know, you get a sense. And uh, over my career, I've had a different few things I always felt was maybe one of my strengths. That I could recognize something in this guy. He, he can help make a difference. You know, and uh, when he was drafted number one, a lot of people questioned it because he's not the tallest guy and all that. Right, right. I really thought he would make up for not being six foot three by those intrinsic things. Mm -hmm. He competed like son of a gun in that ball game Monday night. He's a playmaker. Yeah, and of course he needs the help from everybody else. He's like everybody does, you know. But uh, yeah. he, he's he's a winner. He he, he he's going to beat you. He is yeah. he is a Mahomes. Without Mahomes' instinctive throwing talents, you know Mahomes, you're you're. It's almost a shit. You should not flush him out of the pocket. That's true. Oh, <laughs> let him right. stay there and throw. He's don't rush him. Don't let him get outside because that's when those big freaking plays come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, but, so, now, go, go ahead, Jay Z. No, so what I was going to talk about, just you know, the game in itself, you know, kind of what I, what I've seen was, you know, we we did a much better job uh, just kind of getting guys open. And, and I don't know why teams would just start running, you know, cover one against, you know, what we have. I, I just, uh, it, it's just to our advantage. I mean, really, when you're talking about a guy on guy, yeah. I mean, we, we're going to win that that game every single time. And, and, and I, what, what I'll do is also I'll tip my hat to, to you know, a part of the field that everybody forgets about is, is special teams. Special teams did a wonderful job this game. And uh, i tell you what, that guy Townsend, the punter, Man, you're talking about having a weapon back there like that, Coach, and I know you can appreciate it being a you know a special teams coach like you know like I was, or having a weapon like that to kind of pin guys back, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, length in the field. That's a why absolute. I used to tell Dante. I, I used to tell Dante. Now I don't care if you really score on this punt return <laughs> or your kickoff return, but I like the offense to walk straight out when they go on the field. That's <laughs> right. Angled, angled hard or to the left. You know, right out. Let him walk straight ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He did it so many times. Yes, he did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, if he hadn't retired, I, I really believe he would have been a Hall of Fame candidate. He only needed one or two more returns to break all the records. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think he's done enough, though, Coach. I, I, his resume is – is it looks good compared to a lot yeah. of those guys that are just return men, but I, know. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. tough. It really is. I, I it, uh, We – Text back and forth the other day. We're going to meet after Christmas. You know, he has three children now. Yeah, I play golf with him quite a bit out here. Oh, do you really? Yeah. yeah. Good. Good for you. Is he? Can he play? 
Yeah, he's pretty good. Is he? But we, we kind of break even when we every time we played, so. And you're in Texas. Do you ever see Tony Banks? I, I do not see Tony Banks out here. Uh, I run into a, a bunch of guys. Team. He's out here in Dallas? Yeah, he's a head coach at a private high school. Mm-hmm. Huh. Good guy. Yeah. I'll look him up. Now, to talk about uh, something that we've talked about on the show before the last couple of weeks was kind of the offense not kind of putting the pedal to the metal, uh, in the especially in the second half. Uh, I looked at the numbers over the last three weeks. Against Tampa, we lost 14 to nothing in the fourth quarter. We lost to Denver 3 to nothing in the fourth quarter. That's not so bad. And then against Miami this past weekend, we lost 17 to 3 in the fourth quarter. What do these numbers tell you, coach? It tells you you get ahead and you relax a little bit. You know, Football is not a contact sport. It is a combat sport. And, you know, every time your big tight end right there came off the ball on a seven technique, it was more than contact. It was combat. And you lose that little edge when you're leading. You start feeling comfortable. The coaches relax. The players relax on their sideline. And all of a sudden, those other guys, they keep struggling. They keep coming back. And I think that's the reason. Fortunately, in those situations, Kansas City's far enough ahead. It doesn't make any difference. It just closes the gap. And that's a great tribute to the, the quality of that offense. J.D.? Yeah, you know, when I, when I see, uh, you know, some of the struggles and, and you know, I, I wonder, and not really, they've been struggling all year with this, and it's the running game. And, I, you know, I keep going back to, you know, how we were. You know, we just, they don't really have a guy you know, when you need it to get those hard, tough yards. I mean, they do in Le'Veon Bell, but sometimes they, they get, uh, you know, declaring it. And he, he, you know, he's not that guy. You know, he goes down one or two hits. And so what you want to do at that, at that moment, you want to eat up the clock a little bit. And sometimes when you don't have that, then you got to get a little bit more, you know, uh, uh, creative in what you do. And so what they started doing, they started doing a little bit more screens to the side and kind of get the ball in guys' hands where you're not stopping the clock by having a, a, a you know, incomplete pass. But then, like Coach said, you know, you, you if you're so far ahead, you know, guys start relaxing a little bit. And Coach is absolutely right. I mean, it, it is a combat sport. So if you're not getting that contact, it's like, look, you got to soundly beat. I mean, at, the, at a certain point, it was like 30 to 10. So, yeah, guys are like relaxing. They started, you know, unlacing their they shoes, you know, drink a little bit more Gatorade and, and tell them the buses to get ready. Yeah. So that's part of the problem. But we, with that running game, man, it's still something that it has to come and we have to do, and that offensive line's got to do a much better job. Yeah, yeah, and consistent, regardless of what quarter it is. You know? That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing, guys, J.D., uh, Eric, it's tougher today to develop the consistency within the frame of mind of how you play the game because the practices aren't like they used to be. It's true. You know, You're the right. training camps, they don't have double days and pads anymore. No, you know, so you, you, if you take a guy that's a good football player, but not naturally intense, tough guy, but he plays, he's all right. It's hard to have enough naturally intense, tough guys uh, to on a roster to infect the roster. But you can develop some of that in your training camps. And I was always accused of working guys too hard and too tough. But part of the reason was help them get tougher, you know, and get tougher, you know. Example here in Philadelphia, their offensive line has never started all year healthy. They've, the only one guy, Kelsey, his brother, center, is the only guy started every game. I mean, it is a mess. In seven years here in Philadelphia, 
and you lived in Philadelphia, you know what kind of city it is. Seven oh, yeah. years here, oh, yeah. my left tackle and right tackle combined missed two games in seven years. But I'll tell you, our practices were tough. But they so game time, they were prepared for the toughness and the, the natural instincts. They had block seven techniques they, uh, in a tough, not 100% tempo, but a 90% tempo. And their used and their bodies are are conditioned to leveraging themselves and that. Uh, and today they're not. And even first off, they play the game standing up. Everyone's up like this. Right, right. The, the Eagles don't even get in a three-point stance. They stay in a two-point stance all the time. No, there's some, some good that comes out of that. But the yeah. thing is, they a coaching staff can't help develop toughness on the practice field anymore. They just, you know, and we we tried to do it. We tried to do it. Help guys get uh, disciplined to a tougher tef- a tempo all the time, you know. Yeah. Even at the Chiefs, our practices were good. And there were, there were some days were better than others. I'd get pissed off at Willie. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, you know uh, I think it really hurts coaches developing the toughness of a team. You know, you know what? And, and you saying that, Coach, that year when they first went back to you know, the, the – uh, the practices being like that, which I call club mad now, in, in yeah. summer ball, yeah. you have more soft tissue oh. injuries yeah. than any other time in, in, in the sport. Oh, yeah. And it was crazy. It, yeah. I call it dancing with the stars. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some practices. They could actually come out of the stance and point for as much as they got out of utilizing their fundamentals and their footwork and their hand placement and the tempo. They, they get nothing out of it. It's like a walkthrough all the time. And you just, right. you know, your, your player can't develop his skills or develop a body that's conditioned to handle the different angles of people hitting you and all that kind of stuff. The instincts start, uh, aren't prepared for it. That's, I really believe that strongly. Yeah. So, so I, I guess in a way you're kind of linking the whole, I guess, you know, t- taking the foot off the gas in the fourth quarter to a kind of a, a more of a softness kind of nowadays football is that, I mean, is that we're kind of correlating it to? Well, I, I don't know. There's no such thing as softness in the national football league, but there's a difference between levels of intensity with which you play on a consistent basis. Right. Yeah. And, you know, for example, the next time you watch a 49ers play, watch their wide receiver. Okay. I don't even know the wide receiver coach. But I promise you, he's coaching intensity. The, those kids, when they catch the ball, they run the ball like running backs. They go after They block. They run the ball intensely into defenders. And you don't see many receivers doing that anymore. You see them sliding under, stepping out of bounds and all this. But two times in a row, now I've watched the 49ers, and I've almost felt like uh, I don't know the head coach well. I know who he is. Of course, I know his dad real well. But uh, say, you know, you – Give that receiver coach of yours a raise <laughs> because they're playing with 11 men on every snap, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, it would drive you crazy. Yeah, you know, Eric. Oh, yeah, you like oh, yeah. wide receivers. That's, they never bothered that, the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> you know? that, that was the beauty of guard Randy Moss sometimes. <laughs> yeah, oh, Randy Moss. <laughs> Remember, remember trying to coach against him in training camp? And oh, my gosh. Yeah. He walked. I remember the one day we're practicing, and 
before the practice, the coach is a good guy, and I've known him a long time. He tells me, boy, we really got Randy coming along. He's really, really working. Though. And I'm thinking, he's giving me a line of baloney. Halfway through the practice, I see him walk off the out of the back of the end zone and out, and he gets in an orange Lamborghini and drives off in his uniform. <laughs> 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 Randy did his own thing. Oh, he did his own thing. Yeah, God bless him. Now he's got a hell of a job. Yeah, I, 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 he, he showed up when they needed him, though, Coach. Yeah, he does a good job there. He does. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to handle that. No, Coach, I, I told the story about when, when we got in that, that huge fight and, and uh, Greg Wesley put him up underneath the bleachers <laughs> and we just had an uh, all-out brawl with everybody out there on the field for oh, about yeah. 15 minutes straight. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, that all those, most of those practices ended up in a fight because I, yeah. I heard later on that the coach used to encourage that a little bit, you know, oh, yeah. didn't help him. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember those days. Yeah. 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 But you wouldn't want to tangle with Greg Wesley. No, no. <laughs> you wouldn't want to trade with Greg. No. I wonder how he's doing. You talk to him. Greg is doing well. Yeah, I, we, uh, well. we have a group text and uh, he chimes in every, every now and then, but. I think he's got what six kids now. Does he really? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, he, he's, yeah out, he's, he's out there in yeah. Kansas, living out on the range, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so the best part is he's is he's really involved in their life. So he's he, that's he's he's Wonderful. becoming a a real good dad. Oh, and hey, that's yeah, that's great. Good guy. I remember getting yep. up to his ass one day. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. Yeah, oh yeah. Remember when he dipped over the dumped over the garbage he i gave him a fine slip and he got all upset and he dumped over the garbage can yeah. <laughs> I, I used to as a younger coach i used to get pissed off all the time you know but i didn't as an older man i remember blowing my stack on his when I saw him <laughs> in the meeting i remember that embarrassed myself <laughs> <laughs> Well, Eric, you told me that that story uh, that one time at practice where I guess the offense was kind of was kind of handed handed it to the defense, and then Wesley kind of laid out Priest Holmes and Coach. Oh yeah, Coach got first mad. thing first thing Coach Vermeil said something. <laughs> that's, that's when you call Priest Holmes the ticket. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, we don't. That's that's our ticket because Priest given you know he was our best player overall, best oh, player oh, yeah. as good as Tony was. Yeah. Priest was our was our was our. Yeah, for not, yeah, you know, yeah, remember yeah, one player on the team. So. Yeah. 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 So we were, we were, uh, nope. It, you could almost put Priest in one of those yellow, uh, what do they call those things that beanies that the, the, the quarterbacks have yeah. to wear? Because yeah. uh, we, we really couldn't hit Priest. And we understood that as a defense, too. You know, you know the guy was having it, a phenomenal it, career in Kansas City. But you guys on defense knew that for the oh, most yeah. part. And, you know, we would go hot thud, but they would always, Make sure they didn't go too hot on Priest. Now, yeah. Larry, Larry Larry Johnson comes in. He used to whack him around. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the defense made him mad. They'd whack him pretty good. They didn't even have his head ringing every day. Yep. But then he got so he could deliver it. Yeah. I wonder what he's doing. Larry, he's in Miami, right? Is he yep. Miami, living Miami. Yep. Uh-huh. Good player. I yeah. had a job with the Redskins, okay? And because... Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, was the uh, head coach, and uh, got my mind. Hell to get it, eighty years old. But anyway, eighty-four. But uh, I got him. This, they signed him, and in the last preseason game, he looked 
really good. I mean, I thought, bang, and he got cut. And I'm yeah. Sure was he uh, was he under Gruden? Was it Gruden? No, no. Was it Shanahan? Uh, former uh, Denver coach. Oh, Shanahan. Oh, excuse me, Jesus. His son's a coach of 49ers now. Yeah, yeah. Shanahan. 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 God, excuse me. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Shanahan was, and I've known him since he uh, was a kid. And I, I, I'd call him and, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll give him a shot. And uh, and then they cut him. And the last, he was the best player on the field the last preseason game. I, I couldn't figure it out. Now, uh, going back to, uh, to to this to this team, um, so this year's kind of unique where there's only one bye uh, for the AFC and the NFC. There's only one team that gets a bye. Now, this week we saw Pittsburgh lost uh, to Buffalo, so now we got we, we leapfrog them into the one seed. How important is this year than, mo- than most years? Obviously, most years the bye is important, but this year, how specifically important is it for the Chiefs to get the bye in this year that one team gets that? Well, we all have another dimension to think about today now. Eric, you know it. JD, you know it. Is you got a week by, you got to you got to stay COVID free. Yeah. See, it's harder to control a week by what everybody's doing every day. So you really got to trust your players. They really got to use common sense to stay healthy and do the right things right. Otherwise, you go the week by, come back, you're going to be sick. Yeah. Right now, so that would be the only negative. The week by for me was always physically refreshing for the players. And also the coaches, because they work their butts off. You're going to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and back in the office at 7. They're not, you know, it, it allows you to freshen your mind, but the players allows them to freshen their body. And I, I'm really for the buy. It's so beneficial for a physical standpoint. Yeah, I agree, too. So having that going into the playoffs yeah. is very well beneficial to help your body, oh, uh, ease your mind, and uh, get prepared. For, for who's to come in uh, the second week. So well, I'm, you guys know better than I, how many times you line up and play and you were sore on Sunday. Oh, heck yeah. Uh, in pre, pre-game warm-up, you were just starting to feel better from last <laughs> yeah. game or practice, whatever it may be. But with the week by, you know, by the time you play that next game or you go back into practices, all of a sudden your body is fresh. I, I even noticed, you know, I still work out a lot and I have a nice weight machine in there. A week ago... I took a week off my three days of lifting. I took a week off. The only time I ever take a week off is when I'm on vacation. So this time I decided I'm doing it. I came back Monday after a week of the three days of not lifting. I felt so so fresh, you know, and and I felt stronger just because I took, my body caught up with me. And, and I, I started thinking, God, I should have incorporated more of that in my thinking and preparing a team to play, you know. Because I know with the Eagles, I used to wear them out. Uh, I wear them out toward the end of the season. You th- keep thinking I can make them better by working them harder. And sometimes you make them worse by making them tired. You know. Anyway, you live and learn. Yep. Co- Coach, I'm going to ask you real, real quick. Do you remember, so when we had our bye week, uh, and we were kind of practicing a little bit, and so I ended up coming up to the office, come talk to you. Mm-hmm. And so – you know, I'm sitting there like, hey, coach, you know, we uh, you know, we've been out here. It's our bye week. You know, been out here practicing a little bit. And, uh, you know, some of the guys are, are grumbling a little bit down in, in, in the uh, in the locker room. And, of course, you just start laughing. Like, look, J.D., you about the fourth guy that's been up in my office. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, no, nah, but I, you know, I hear you. And, and, and I think that's, that's important 
you know, because it is a balance. It, it really is a balance during the bye week. You know, how do you do you rest the team? Don't rest them too much where they, you know, come back rusty, right? I didn't even think about the element that you talked about, just the COVID, of just staying healthy in that respect. Yeah. But we remember when uh, Baltimore had they, they had that week off in the bye week, and they came back, and it was just so rusty they couldn't do anything, and they looked like a team that was like yeah. that had rust on it. Yeah. So you got to play it just right, you know. It's good. You got to have a, a, a good measure as far as like what you can team can yeah. do, how much time you got to give off. You know, four guys to do that. So, you know, J.D., uh, my last year with the Rams, we won it all. It was the only year you win the championship game and you play the Super Bowl next Sunday. We didn't have a bye. Mm. And it, because we were on an airplane, we played the championship game Sunday. Three o'clock the next day, we were on a plane flying to Georgia, to Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, yeah. for that, that was really tough because the media interference and the Super Bowl interference and everything, it was impossible. But I jokingly say, well, it gave me less time to screw them up. So we went out there and won it, you know. <laughs> but uh, that was, it should never be done that way. It should never be done that way, especially that game. Yeah. Was there no Pro Bowl that year? Why was it played the following week? Oh, the Pro Bowl came, it was after the Super Bowl in those days. Ah. Right. Yeah, in Hawaii. More, more upscale back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the Pro Bowl used to mean something. Now, I, I can't watch it. It's To me, it embarrasses the game. I agree. You know, it really, it just – I can remember going to Pro Bowls in Hawaii as a visiting coach, not coaching it, but just as, a, as a, a break and all that kind of stuff, and watch those guys compete in the good against the good, and they'd take pride in playing well against another great player. That's right. Now, and I can understand it too. Now it's just everybody plays to make sure they don't get hurt in the game. You know, it's almost touch football. Basically, just entertainment. That's it. Yeah. Well, well coach, you got to realize now there, there's a lot of money out there too. Oh, I know it. You know, so know. <laughs> you got to be a little careful. I went one time. Too. Yeah. People always ask me, who was the finest player you ever saw play? I say, Reggie White. Because I went to a Pro Bowl once and watched him play a game on defense against all pros, and he dominated the game. <laughs> he dominated all pros. Now, that guy's a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Co Coach, what's your take on uh, players in college who are deciding not to play in their bowl games for similar kind of reasons where they don't want to get hurt for the upcoming draft? What's your take on that? You know, I, I would prefer because of just uh, respect – and, and gratefulness to stay and play the schools, you know, they, I get a kick. They say the schools don't give them any money. You know, my granddaughter got a scholarship to Villanova, 52,000 bucks a year. She's graduated now with honors. She can't get a job that pays her $52,000 a year, you know? So the players are getting paid, you know, and they're getting an education too. I'd like to see them play it out. I really would. Now they're eight. Hey, they could get hurt, no question. They, they could get hurt, but uh, I think uh, I still think they almost owe it to the school and to their teammates. Now their teammates want to win that bowl game, you know. It, it, I mean, all of a sudden, it's not important to them because you got a chance to go. Hey, it's going to go to the NFL anyway. Maybe he goes to the bowl game and has a great game and raises his status in the draft. You know. So I don't know. I, I would just 
I would prefer that they uh, don't allow them to do that. It'll never happen. No. No, it'll never happen. Yeah, I feel like, at least for me, that it's kind of off topic, but for basketball, for example, I mean, allowing these guys to go play one year and they, and they come out right away, I think it kind of loses its luster. I remember I was watching the NBA draft, and I, I didn't know some of these players. You know, you, you don't really get connection with these guys, whereas yeah. in college football, we see these guys for three years at least. We, all, yeah. we, we know their stories by the time they're drafted. It, you know, yeah. it, it doesn't lose its luster, whereas basketball is becoming more of like baseball where you don't really know these guys' stories. So I think yeah. that all kind of plays with it. Uh, you know, I think Eric and uh, J.D. could tell you too better than I could. Sometimes I think it's the positive influence of the agent that uh, that sets the tone for what they're going to do and when he should get a drop and get out and get ready yeah. to draft. And sometimes those guys also overestimate how good they are. You know? Yeah. There have been guys come out early that didn't go quite as high as they thought they were going to go here. I, I, I kind of represent a team right here that that, that that do a lot of guys in basketball to come out yeah. that, that completely not ready. Yeah. But, you know, this, this, like you said, the agents come and tell them, like, look, you know what? You play at UK, you're going to be a high draft pick, you're going to be a lottery pick. Yeah. And then it doesn't work out, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and then it's a shame. Yeah. Um, so, so, so probably our situations when a coach might say to a player, you know, you've had three great years here or two great years, it would probably be best for you personally and give them the choice. But you have picture, you know, you guys have mentioned Priest Holmes a number of times, JD, hell, you were as influential in the positive of his career running the ball as anybody, as anybody. And then you, you could come, come to his, the last few games of the season or the, and, and, and you walk up to Priest and say, well, you're on your own for the next few games. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> you're doing that. No, no, I, no. I couldn't picture you doing that. No. But there are there are people that don't look at their teammates in that vein. You know that, that hey, we're, we we are brothers in this thing. You know we are we're together in this thing. I don't know. I'm I'm a little old fashioned. Yeah, I feel like just as a fan, seeing it in recent years, you know, I feel like social media has kind of given players kind of more of like the outlet to do these kind of things like, you know, Le'Veon holding out that one year um, and then it, it, and not, not signing that, that uh, was that his, his franchise tag, not, not signing his tag that year. And then, uh, and then the following year, you know, getting less money than what he was initially offered um, with the jets. And I, I feel like maybe it's, maybe it's a sign of the times. Maybe the players have more, you know, that maybe the agents are giving them this kind of this different outlook. I mean, what, what do you, what do you guys say to that? Yeah. Eric, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's the same thing with the whole guy with the like with the kids holding out. Um, you know, do you see a situation where you've seen some of these guys that play, whether it's the last game before the championship game or they play in that championship game, and they end up getting hurt. And yeah. then they're, you, they think that they, they've lost their value going into the draft. I don't have an opinion on it because I'm not in that situation being in that situation. And if I was a lottery pick, talked about it. That's kind of what culturally alluded to, because those agents kind of put those fillers out there to those players say, Hey, you're going to be, you know, going this on the first day, which is the top three rounds. Um, you know, that's big money that you're, that you're uh, risking out there. So we think it's best for you to sit this season out or you get it from your parents. We think it's best for you to sit this season out. I never thought that way as a college player to where I, I think it's best for me just not to play in this game to, to risk an injury. I'm like coach, you know, I'm, I'm older or me and Jason are both older. Um, so we got that old school mentality that you play alongside 
uh, the guys that you came in with and uh, until the end. And that's the way I, I, I think. But again, it's like so much of our world is so different now because of social media and everybody else has an opinion. Yeah, and everybody can see. Good point. Everybody can see everything to where uh, you get input from every situation and you get to see how this other kid has done has done with his career and because somebody else has gotten hurt. And it happened with the Bosa kid to where he didn't play. You know, he still ended up being a, a, a top three lottery pick and he's having a great career. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it can have, it can hurt you in some ways and it can, it can, it can hurt you than uh, others. So, and in Jason's case, those uh, K- Kentucky players. Now, when you're a scholarship guy and you go play one year and you think that you're good enough because some agent told you you're good enough. And all of a sudden you go to the NBA and you end up not making the team. Well, you can't go back to school on that scholarship. So now you're screwed. Mm-hmm. So now you don't even have a, a job out there. You got to go try to play D league or overseas to try to make a living when yet you could have, you know, made use of this scholarship that was given to you. And I understand that there's so much money in this, in sports now to where it's hard to walk away from. It's yeah. so hard yeah. to turn your back on. And when they, and that kind of money's thrown at you, you look at where you came from, your background and what's ahead of you. Yeah. And your first thought is, I'm jumping on board of, uh, of what that, that contract yeah. is going to look yeah. like. Yeah. I, I, I agree with what you're saying in, in, especially in principle, but you know, you may, JD, you mentioned Kentucky player last night. I was at my inside linebacker from the Eagles house for dinner. He's a Kentucky guy. He actually played freshman basketball for Rupp as well. And his brother was a starter for Rupp at basketball. Their name was LeMaster, Frank LeMaster. Yes. Yeah. Frank. He played all seven years for me. He's had four back operations in the last two years. I mean, he's struggling. He, I mean, great guy, just a great mm-hmm. guy. His wife had us over for dinner last night, and we had a good time. But he's a he's a loyal Kentucky guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, as we were on the show, I, I saw on Twitter that uh, Drew Brees is de- designated to return to, uh, to practice this week. Um, so how does this kind of change things as we play New Orleans in New Orleans? I know it doesn't have the same loss because there's going to be no fans there. So it's easier for the away team this, um, this, this time around, but how does this kind of change, uh, I guess us going into a game planning for a Drew Brees rather than a Taysom Hill? Well, the worst thing that happened to, to Kansas city was for New Orleans to come in here and play poorly. They were not emotionally ready to play. I mean, it, you, it was glaring. And, and Peter Junta, coaches a secondary in New Orleans, so I have yep. some right there. I, I talked to Peter. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they just they just play. That was it. And, you know, it, hap- it happens to almost every team, well, at least once a year. But usually when you come out of that game <laughs> next week, woo, you go back to what you were and better. So the, the Chief, if they beat New Orleans in New Orleans, they will beat New Orleans at their best at their best effort for sure. Yeah. You know, especially after coming off that loss with, with Philadelphia and then yeah. you getting your, you're getting the hall of fame quarterback back. You know, we don't know if he's a hundred percent or not, but we know what, what Drew Brees is and what he brings. So yeah. it'll be a bit, it'll be a good game. Yeah. 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 It'll, be, it'll be a test. It'll be a test. <laughs> a real test. You know, I, I, they're not as good. Kansas city should beat them and will probably will. But if, if they both play well, Kansas City wins. If New Orleans plays well and Kansas City doesn't, New Orleans will win a game. But I, I don't think that will happen. 
the great thing about Kansas City, I'm repeating myself, is when they're behind and they have not been playing well, they have the ability to make plays within a short period of time to beat you. You know, quick. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> wow, where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> Like I just got to get up. I, I got up to get a bottle of water, and they've already got three touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love to watch him play. I was there last year as the guest, the drum beater in December uh-huh. when they uh-huh. played Denver in the snowstorm at the end of the year. Yeah, and Carol and I went in for three days. I had a great time. Andy had me speak to the team. Then I went to the offensive meetings. Then I went to the quarterback meetings. Then I went to practice, and uh, they they really have it together. They really have it together. Yeah. JD? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it just gives them a chance. Yeah. But, it, you know, we, when we talk about a general getting back, right, and, and, and everybody's seeing it, you know, the, the, the feeling everybody just kind of rallies around is what, you know, New Orleans is going to do. And so yeah. it had to be this week that Drew Brees comes back because he, he, he understands. Yeah. He understands what that means to his team, to the locker room, yeah. you know, as a leader. And so – that, that changes things, of course, for, for Kansas City, you know, as far as how they prepare, because, you know, it would have been easier against, you know, Hill, of course. Yeah. But, you know, with Drew Brees coming back, like you said, coach, it's going to be at their best. It's going to be a good test for them. It's going to be a great test for them. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to see this week. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch. No, yeah. All right, now we're going to go to the, the favorite part of the show is the predictions uh, portion. Uh, coach, what's your uh, uh, prediction for Sunday and a score? Well, wait, wait a minute. I'll, I'll get the computer reports that I've been doing for years. I'll tell you what they tell you. He's going to go do it too. Look. I see. <laughs> I love it. You, you know what's, what's, what's scary about these reports? When, these, when this guy started this program, it was, he has passed away and started it. It was 1969, and George Allen assigned me to help this guy who was a statistician take numbers and put together that would be meaningful for football. Because shit, he was not a football guy, but he was a statistician. And then later he went and developed into great reports, and then it turned into computer reports. And I didn't like to, when I finished coaching my career at Kansas City, I didn't like to see it. Because they didn't always pick the score correctly, but they were right about eight times out of ten on who was going to win the game. So <laughs> right. I never wow. like going into a game knowing I'm going to get beat. You know? <laughs> but uh, New Orleans game here, it says, uh, where am I here? Uh, Green Bay? No. New Orleans, uh, Kansas City, New Orleans winning by three. Wow. That's what it predicts. Oh, wow. Let me give you Kansas City predictions. Over the it is, it, let me show you this. Here's Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. They were in the very first game of the season. They picked them by eight before the just using last year's number. They they won by three against Baltimore. Win by uh, win by one. They won by fourteen. New England win by eight. They won by sixteen. Las Vegas win by eleven. They lost by eight. They were wrong. The next week, Buffalo by four, they beat them by nine. The next week, Denver by 10, they beat them by 27. New York Jets beat them by 21, they beat them by 26. Carolina beat them by 11, they beat them by two. 
Las Vegas, again, beat them by eight. They beat them by four. Tampa Bay beat them by one. They beat them by three. Denver beat them by 14. They won by six. Miami says win by two. They won by six. New Orleans lose by three. Uh, uh, Los Angeles Chargers next week win by 12. They were wrong on the uh, twice on picking. Now they didn't, they didn't have the spread properly, but it, especially toward the end of the year, it's amazing how close it becomes. It's amazing. That's awesome. So, so they got new Orleans winning. They they have new Orleans winning the game uh, by three. Hmm. I don't think so. I was going to say 30, 24 Kansas city. Yeah. Well, you know, Kansas city is going to score. Yeah. They're going to score some points. And I, I can't see Priest coming back if he is come, coming back and play the first game back as well as he had been playing prior to getting hurt. Very seldom does anybody ever do that, regardless of position. You know, regardless of position, you come back that first game after being injured, you haven't practiced, you've been rehabbing, and now line up and play. You know, and nowadays, three days of practice, they don't do that much. So I, I still I believe Kansas City will beat them. Yeah, I agree. But my mine is 30-24 KC. Jason? I'm, I'm looking probably 31-28. I mean, I really am. I, I, to, to me, when I'm, when I'm looking at this, I mean, you, you had to deal with the fact that what you do to negate what, what uh, Kansas City does is keep my songs on, on, the, on the sideline. Keep my homes on the sideline. So you got Kamara, who, who's just an absolute he, – he's a beast. He's a handful back there. And so you know they're going to you know, try to eat up the clock a little bit. But New Orleans, they, they have the exact same kind of setup. They can score quick. They really can. You just said 31-28. Well, uh, when it goes to the other th- report and it gives an actual score of the game, uh-huh. they say 31-28. Okay. Really? New Orleans, yeah. He's got the same book you got, Coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny that, that that's the score it gives because the uh, the Vegas has the line as a well it would be the reverse but it has a, the Chiefs as a three point favorite right now so it's kind of the, the reverse of that. Yeah, yeah. you know when it might come down again, who's plus in turnovers and this because when the two teams are even, it is tough to make up the difference in that turnover. Mm-hmm. The other the other thing, I get a kick out of this. Everyone's talking about how coaches gamble and all that now, boy. They're a risk taker, all that. You know, <laughs> when you take that risk and you win, you are a freaking hero. Right. But I'll tell you, for example, Kansas City, they threw, they've only made 33% of their fourth down attempts. And they've tried like they've tried as much, almost as more than anybody in the league. And I think at the end of a long period of time, you start averaging out how many times you gambled and it hurts you and it costs you a game over it help you and you win the game you're going to be behind by losses you're going to lose more that's it geez I, I see that in every game I said what the hell are you doing you know first thing you got to do as a coach is give your kids a chance to win yeah let them go win the game so you know if it was a sure thing they'd call it sure thing taking rather than gambling you know <laughs> right <laughs> well I guess part of it you know the fourth quarter the, those chances are always like it's you, I mean, you're behind, right? So, yeah. I mean, it's desperation. Yeah. Some of those, you got to go. Oh, that, that, that totally different situation. Yeah, yeah. Some guys are going for two now the first time they, they score. Yeah. Doesn't make sense to me. 
Coach, what do you think of the uh, the rule uh, rule change proposal that uh, I think I got maybe only a couple of teams voted for it over the summer was the uh, getting rid of the onside kick and doing a uh, a fourth and fifteen instead. No, I don't. In fact, they've hurt the kicking game. You know, no one ever gives you a stat of how many guys got hurt covering an onside kick or covering. Yeah, the kickoff return is a waste of time almost today. They kick him into the end zone. You know, it's just, you know, those big plays is what made the game what it is today. There is yeah. a NFL player in the game that doesn't go into a game knowing, hey, you've got a chance to get hurt. That's just the, the kind of game it is. It's like an Indianapolis car driver driving in Indianapolis. Every once in a while, someone's going to get hurt. But to eliminate everything that made the game what it is, uh, I no one's ever proved to me more guys get hurt on kickoff coverage than they do other plays. I, I, you know, I don't remember seeing it. I really don't. Me either. I guess they claim it's on the uh, two teams running full speed and that, that wedge buster, the collision part. It's a collision on every play to me. Yeah. And I can see it on the cut blocks, blocking below you, the waist and all that kind of stuff, on blocking the wedge like you used to send a guy in and, and that kind of stuff. Now, remember how we used to Frank Gans Jr. sell the two-step redirect? Yep. <laughs> That's a 15-yard penalty. Yes. Yeah. 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 We used to take pride in it. <laughs> Not no more. Yeah, no. And there's just a lot of good coming out of it, too. But there's more injuries today than there's ever been. I agree. Of course, like you said, J.D., uh, they call it soft tissue injuries. Now we used to call them bruises. No one used to be able to get a bruise. Boo-boos, right? Bruise, bruise, Rub some dirt on it. <laughs> Yeah, geez. It was it was worse in the old days. When I started the league, the guy didn't miss a game. He didn't miss a game. He did whatever he had to do to be ready to play. And because he was afraid he was gonna lose his job. He didn't want someone to play his position better than he was playing it. Oh yeah, that's right. Who's that used to tell the, the story about Wally Pip? Wally Pip. Yeah, that's right. That's an old one. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's the story? So Wally Pip is it was actually uh, was was starting, and Coach could tell it probably better than I can. No, I can't, but I know I know the name. It's, it's tied in with uh, the injury factor and all that stuff. But that's an yeah. old old story, and I don't remember it all myself. So he, he so he ended up uh, getting hurt. So and and ended up getting hurt, and I guess, I guess it was Joe DiMaggio ended up coming in and yeah. became a starter, and everybody knows you know of course yeah. him. And then Wally Pip's name, they don't even know who he is because he got hurt. Yeah. And he set out, and he never started again. And that's that's kind of like the that ha that's happened in football. That has happened in football too. Not oh often, yeah, but it has happened. All oh, of yeah. a sudden, some guy get in there and play. And he's like the quarterback at New Orleans, the young kid. You know, he's non-drafted. You know, he's a running back, wide receiver, quarterback, special teams player, and he leads him to two or three wins in a row playing quarterback. No one knew he could play that well. Right, right. He got his opportunity. Now he's a legit yep. quarterback. He's a legit guy. Yeah. Next Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> Drew Brees, Drew Bledsoe gets hurt. Yeah. You got Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> Drew Bledsoe was. Yeah, yeah. You bet. Got Tom Brady. Yeah.
Hey, Coach, before we go to the final segment, I, I did want to get your opinion on um, the, the Philadelphia Eagles situation. What do you think of uh, Jalen Hurts uh, getting getting the, getting the starting job there? Do you, do you think Carson Wentz will move, move on after the season, or will they no. give him a chance to compete next year with Hurts? I don't think. You know, first off, if they would have given Carson Wentz the protection that Jalen Hurts got last week, Carson Wentz would play well. Their offensive line has been embarrassingly bad. Number one, because of the good players. When Carson Wentz was playing well, they had an all-pro left tackle, an all-pro right guard, and an all-pro right tackle. Pro Bowl players, consistent. And then they had Kelsey, who should play in the Pro Bowl, but never got in it. He has since at center. And then a make a, another guy at left guard. Well, now they don't have anybody other than center that can really play at a high level. Now they found one guy. The big Australian, Mylata, who's 6'7", 345 pounds. When that guy learns how to play, he is really going to be something. But their offensive line. And see, it, it, the New Orleans Saints pass rushers, they played with 90% intensity rather than their normal 100%. They didn't put much pressure on him. But uh, I, I feel sorry for Carson. Carson will recover. He's had too many big games. Too many big games. You don't lose out of them. What's happened He's been hit from every angle. It's amazing. And I've seen shots when two guys hit him at the same time, you know, embarrassingly bad. And uh, I, I think he'll recover from it. I think Jalen Hurts is, uh, is a player. I think he's a good player. He's been, in, you know, some people don't give these kids that come out of these big programs any credit for having played in big games. Like I do a radio show here every Friday morning. It's a big deal with the, this is the number one, radio station sports station and they're 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 tough but anyway i said you guys act like jalen jalen hurts has played in alabama in national championship games at oklahoma in plus ninety thousand people in the freaking stands you talk about pressure this he'll be fine it's you know it's not like it used to be these kids are prepared mentally and emotionally and he's a gifted player uh will he prove to be better then Carson Wentz, I, they can't trade Carson Wentz anyway with his contract. No. <laughs> Carson, Car, they were consistent. They had him almost ready for the Hall of Fame. He was, oh, he was going to be the MVP of the league before he got hurt. He was going to be this and all this kind of stuff. And now they forget all those comments because no one holds them responsible for those comments. Now they're all over poor kids' ass. But uh, uh, see, personally, I wouldn't have benched him. I would hold those offensive linemen hell of a lot. And they're doing the best they can. They're just not ready to play. They got a sixth-round pick, a fourth-round pick, just rookies playing in there. And a, and a guy off the street. And a big Samoan that has potential, but he's, his potential might be two years down the road. Mm. It's just, it just has been a mess. I've, I've never seen a football team get hurt at the level of this team as this year. They lost three guys in the secondary. Saturday, yeah. one with a knee out for the rest of the year. Three guys. So, you know, there's only four guys to start back there, right, Eric? They haven't changed. <laughs> as soon as you go from a starter to a backup, like Jason, if I take you out and put my backup tight end in to block the running game, shit, it's no good. It won't work. Uh. <laughs> but with the quarterback, you take four guys out of that front line, and then they're work. And then their offense, their wide receivers are wide receivers average right. below. Yeah. And they bring Jackson in to get speed and he gets hurt again. Yeah, he's hurt already. 
Yeah. So it's tough. I don't long. I know that was a long answer because I, I live it every day. Uh, I, uh, I think Jalen hurts. Maybe if he doesn't play with this week, well, this week, then they'll put Carson back in, but I think Carson will be the quarterback next year. I already do. And uh, I think Doug Peterson will be back. I think he's a good football coach. He does a great job of calling plays. And, uh, but this year, no matter what you call, what you call it, it's, you're hurting. Yeah. Just a bad team. Yeah. And they, and they had the issues with the, with the receivers last year. I remember his number, uh, Carson Wentz's number one receiver at the end of last year was the, uh, the former quarterback of Houston. Um, like Greg Ward was his number one receiver well, at the yeah. end of the last year. Good little player. Yeah. Good little player. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they, you know, and the, the other number one receiver was, didn't play until the 12th game of the season this year. Last week they threw him the ball twice. He caught it once and they're paying him like 13 million a year to catch two, one, have two pass attempts. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, he really hasn't tight end. He hasn't played a, well at all. Yeah, and Ertz is a wide receiver tight playing tight end. He's a yeah. tight end. He's a wide receiver playing tight end, and he's a good player, good catch receiver, not a blocker. He gets you in your way sometimes, you know, but he's not going to block anybody that wants to make the play. But uh, you know, and he was gone for six games. And they just—it's yeah. been a, a mess. All right. And uh, one last thing I wanted to say when you're talking about that the game is kind of, uh, you know, poo poo special teams a little bit, you know, as a kid, you know, I wouldn't without special teams, I wouldn't have known a guy like Kenyaron and Fox, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have recognized a guy like that, you know, because of special teams. I remember who Kenyaron and Fox was. I remember seeing him, you know, out there, you know, making key blocks for some of the touchdowns that we love and see from uh, Dante yeah. and making yeah. huge tackles. Yeah. Well, you know, he went on and played for what three or four more years. Yeah, he did. Pittsburgh, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. That's right. Right. Good job. He's a good young player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good guy. We're going to go to our final segment, uh, which is where we go to uh, Chiefs Kingdom concern segment, where we look at all the Chiefs Kingdom hot takes on Twitter and get each of you to respond to one. Last week, we actually I saw uh, a video of you trending. So when Eric uh, uh, said you're going to be on the show today, I was like, "That's perfect." You know, I saw a video of uh, of Coach uh, trending last week. It was a, a video of you going up to Dante Hall, uh, giving him a hug. Um, right before the Cincinnati game, because the night before you announced your retirement, you gave yeah. a nice warm embrace with him. I remember, yeah. It's all right to cry. It's all right to cry. I love you. It's like losing a father. I felt like I was losing my dad all over again. Forever. Huh? Forever. Right? And the person, uh, the person tweeted, um, I wonder if Dick had an embrace with or goodbye with uh, other players that day. The dude was one of the realest coaches ever, and he wore his emotions on his sleeve like most of us do. I love him. Well, thank you. Yeah, hire him, will you? <laughs> 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 oh, you know that. You know that was a that was a, a big deal for me. Yeah, it really was. You know, it's the last game of your career, and uh, you knew it was. And uh, you, know, not, you know, I really enjoyed my players. If I really oh, that was a big deal for all of us. Yeah, I really enjoyed being with him. I like, I loved seeing him succeed. I felt guilty when we didn't do a good enough job to, to help him be well. Plus, Lamar Hunt. I, I've never been around a, a, a nicer man than Lamar Hunt. You talk about humble and, and sincere. And he, 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 a funny thing, I'll tell you this story and we'll, we'll quit it, but he never ever came in my office and second guessed me. So, it's uh, we do the you mentioned the Raider game when we went for two, we win the ball game. Okay, everybody leaves, 
Every Carol and I are the last one in our office, and Lamar comes in and sits down in my in front of my desk and starts talking about the game. And, you know, he he never forgets England. And he said, you know, Coach, if you'd have gone for two against New England uh, in New England that day, we'd have won the game. <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't forgotten that. And, the, and that was in 2002. Yeah, you know, 2002, right. He hadn't forgotten. You know something, he's right. <laughs> what a wonderful man. Yes, he was. Now, Eric, how well do you remember that 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 game, uh, Coach's last game? I I know I I I got emotional. I, I've I've got two guys that have been in my career uh, since meeting them, and Coach will tell you I shoot him a text almost every holiday. Yeah, you uh, bet. and he's quick to respond. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Coach Osborne is the other guy, and I, I keep in touch with these guys more so because I didn't have a father figure growing up, and having those two in my life. And giving me the direction and, and the opportunity that they, that they gave me, I try to do my best to keep in touch at all costs. Yeah, and well, uh, we appreciate just, it. Carol appreciates it. I appreciate it. And you know, it's amazing, JD, too. Every once in a while, I hear from somebody. I, I mean, uh, who was it? Who was the little, the little corner? Uh, God, now my mind. Julian Benny Sapp? Pardon? Benny Sapp? Benny Sapp. I hear from him. <laughs> he calls me up. Or, or text me, we talk and talk, and you know, it, 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 that, that just tickles me when that happens. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. I talked to Will Shields yesterday. Yeah, I talked to Will yesterday too. Yeah. Him and Willie Rose. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I stay in touch with Willie. Uh, I hear from him from time to time because of Billy Long, you know. We keep a track of Billy Long. Every time I call Billy, like it's, it's sometimes you get him, sometimes it's like you got the oh, wrong number. So eighty percent of the time you don't get him. I chewed yeah. his ass <laughs> off the other day. I, I chewed his butt out the other day. I really did. I got after him like he was a player. And, uh, you know, because I worry about him. I, I yeah, just, he's got too much free time on his hand. He retired too soon. He had he had such a gift. Yes, he did. He can relate to players. You know, yeah, working with people and players. And, God, I, I'll never forget the day I, I go by his office. He's got the president of our team, Carl Peterson, in there, and he's got his finger in his face and he's lecturing. <laughs> <laughs> lecturing the president of the team and Carl <laughs> listening to every word he said. <laughs> you know, he just, he just had, of all my years in coaching, I've never been around a guy that had a better ability to communicate with a kid. And it was always not a, always a nice, warm, more lovely conversation, you know, that he could tell you something, and the kids would believe him. I just, I admire him. I consider him one of my finest friends ever. And Jason, how well do you remember that day? Man, so, you know, to be honest with you, you know, when it was happening, Coach was telling us, you know, I, I think in the back of my head, I think I was, I still didn't quite believe it. I was hoping he was going to come back. I'm like, hey, maybe he's going to change his mind. I, you know, I, I was hoping he was going to change his mind. And the thing is, you know, as great of a coach that he that he is, he's an even better man. And well, so, thank you. I appreciate that, young man. Appreciate that, that. coach. You know, that's that's from the heart. You know, that's true. And and, and the thing is, I mean, you've just been, you know, just so so gracious, you know, to open up your home and just you know show everybody else a whole different element to to who you are. And I, I don't think 
guys get to see that from coaches as much uh, as as we did from you. And, you know, when I, when I say, you know, things like that, I mean, I, I truly mean it. And, and you made us a family. You really did. And, and, and what I also loved about it, too, was you wasn't scared to show your emotion. And I, I could, you know, I really, I really kind of took that to heart, too, because, you know, the, the thing was, you know, sometimes playing this game, you know, they always tell us to be a certain way, right? It's always about machismo, how to be this and how to be that. And, and you really opened up to us and it, you, you made it all right to, 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 to some of us to show your emotion. And so I, I had to tell you, you know, th those things meant truly, truly a lot to me. It's a couple of things oh, that happened you. to me. Thank you. Yeah. The most important thing to be is yourself. You know, right. and I, you know, I'm an emotional guy. I have always been, and I don't mm -hmm. even know why that's just my temperament. And I used to embarrass myself when I'd get emotional talking about somebody I really care about. And I still do it. But uh, it used to bother me. Mm -hmm. I used to just say to myself, I, he's got to maintain my control. And, uh, but, you know, it's, I, I appreciate you saying that, J.D., because it's most important to be who you are. Right. And, 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 and I'm going to take you for who you are. Yeah. You appreciate right. who you are. Yeah. Well, I, and I think really, man, Coach, it, it actually shows, you know, power, to yeah. be honest with you. It, it really does. You know, because like when you said, if you're not being yourself and you're not being genuine, yeah. then, you know, who, who, who are you going to be? Yeah. But, uh, you know, coach, you, you know, I, I love you to death. And I'm going to be You know how I feel. Oh, yeah. Guys oh, yeah. I feel close to, they know it. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, no. I've cut guys I love. Okay. Because I have to do my job, you know. Right. But uh, that doesn't, uh, you know. I just I appreciate what you're saying, and it it's always good to hear it come back to you at 84 years old. And uh, there were sometimes I felt it was a weakness, uh, but overall, shit, that's what I am, you know, and what I was. And I love sharing my feelings with somebody, and even when I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to spend the evening with you. It was fun. Thank you, Coach. You know where Coach. I am. You yes, know where I am. Always. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good pleasure. Take care. Absolute Love pleasure. Have a great day. I love you. Thank hey, you. Tell, give, me, give the best of care on the family, please. Oh, I will. I'll, I will. Take care. All right, Coach. All right. <laughs> Super. That's a genuine guy. I mean, what he said, you know, just being you, just uh, seeing his videos over the years. I remember – when I was a kid, I remember that the ESPN had the breaking news uh, press conference of uh, when Greg Rob when he fired Greg Robinson. Yeah, and he was te he was tearing up like a baby. You know, it's like you know I, you don't really see that. Usually, these guys are stone cold and they, they cut a guy loose. That's it. That's gone. But you yeah. saw him out as a kid. I, I didn't really understand the, the magnitude of that. The guy lost his job, but the head coach was out there, you know, crying for him in a press conference, which I, I think just says volumes about the kind of guy that coach was. And I know you guys probably know that yeah. better than I do. The final uh, Chiefs kingdom concern comes from at Ken Swanson. Uh, he tweeted the Chiefs scored 33 points against the NFL's second best scoring defense, despite four turnovers in the opponent's territory. I didn't even think about that, that all of them were in opponent's territory. Um, Eric, uh, what are your thoughts on that tweet? As I've all, I, I think I've said this every single week. The, the Chiefs are a 30 plus team. No matter who they're playing, they're a 30 plus team. And I think the only team that we played that we didn't score 30 was uh, New England. Uh, I think I might be right on that. I could be wrong, but I, I, I want to say New England is the only team that we have we didn't score 30 plus. And it's just hard to stop them from getting that number because there's so much 
there's so many weapons to work at our advantage on offense. Now, what it comes to is a matter of how many stops we can get on defense. Uh, as of lately, well, basically as of the season, we haven't gotten the best production from our defense. Um, I don't have an answer to that. Uh, I don't know how to come up with an answer to that. We just got to play better. I'm not here to sit here and scrutinize the guys that are out there on the field and say what he needs to do and what he hasn't been doing. Uh, I just know that as an overall defense, uh, we haven't been playing well. And uh, you know, we didn't play well against uh, Miami last week against a rookie quarterback. You know, he came out and threw up 300 plus yards and had a nice comeback there at the near end of the game, uh, which is something at this part of the season, which we should have down packed at what kind of an identity we are as a defense. And we just haven't established that yet. Uh, but as far as the offense, I have no concerns. Whether Patrick is throwing three three interceptions or or five interceptions, which is kind of unheard of or unlikely. Um, but I still think no matter what, we're going to put up 30-plus points on any given team. J.D.? You know, I, when I, I, I was evaluating all the turnovers, and really – you know, the two that I seen was was like screen passes. It was just kind of like tip balls. And that third one where Howard just went up and he just made a great play. He actually underthrew Tyreek on that play. You know, if he had led him a little bit, it was a touchdown. So, yeah, it, it, not necessarily concerns as far as, you know, what they do offensively because you have four turnovers and you still score 30-some points. I mean, that's, that's tough to do. I mean, it really is. I mean, just in, in the NFL against a great defensive football team, with four turnovers, still win the game handily, you know, still still score 30 points. Uh, you, you know, my issue and concern is, is always going to be, uh, you know, what we're going to do defensively. I think our defensive end did a much better job, but I, I see, you know, still some 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 problems kind of in the secondary a little bit, and then also their running game, you know, how we going to do against the running game. But, you know, just kind of going back to, the, you know, the four turnovers, uh, you know, hey, that's, that's one week. You'll never see another week like that from, from them. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you'll ever see anything like that again. So it was good to kind of get it out of your system, right? Four turnovers kind of happened here. But, hey, guess what? You know what? Dust yourself off. Come back for the next week. So I think they rectify that. Yeah, right. And, and uh, Coach kind of alluded to, you know, that New Orleans is going to come back. You know, they lost last week, so they're going to have a kind of fire under their ass when they kind of play this week. I know we won our game, but we still had we didn't look, you know, as sharp as you as we usually do on offense. Do you think that's gonna kind of the same kind of effect for us? We're gonna want to come out and like, you know I, I, I agree. I think we got the same fire just for, you know, the amount of turnovers that we had on offense and then the play that we've had on defense. Um and but then again, just knowing what we got basically uh at our advantage, and that's home field right now. You know, knowing that we got this advantage of playing home field and a bye week, uh that we can control and hold, hold on to that. With, with playing better ball, I think we, we we step our play up. We play better. We we uh, we polish some of those mistakes that we were, that we had. And um, uh, defensively, uh, I think Chris Jones is stepping up. He played well, uh, at least pretty better than he has been in the season. Uh, this Miami game, um, so I think his his push could be enough to get our defense rolling. Um, secondary wise, I love Tyron, I love Tyron Matthew. I love his playmaking ability. It's just that right now, as a whole secondary, we just haven't haven't made that bond to where uh, we can basically like control our end of the defense. You know, we're giving up 
these big plays in the, in the secondary and, and, it, and um, every team is exposing us. So uh, I, although my main concern for the playoff would be the two teams that actually wouldn't the two, the two teams. I think if we were to face a Tennessee team with the way Derrick Henry's running the ball would be, would create a, a huge problem for us because when you get in that cold weather games and you're able to run that ball down the hill with that much size and speed, not a lot of guys want to tackle you. Um, and then that opens up the, the passing game. So then you got that, this, this two headed monster as far as a, 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 a potent run game and a somewhat decent passing game from their quarterback. Hey, they can, they can be the, the biggest surprise for us. And right now the way Buffalo Bills playing uh, and they're a cold weather team, you know, that, that's, that's what, that's what they get in Buffalo. Uh, so, they're going to be prepared, and plus they're getting better each week. And I think somebody showed, sent me a Twitter uh, a couple of days ago that they had uh, – Buffalo was ranked ahead of Kansas City as far as power rankings. I mean, a joke to me, but, you know, that was where they had them at. So uh, we, we definitely can't overlook what's ahead of us. Uh, I think we need to get better, both sides of the ball, even though my concern offense is not there, even with the turnovers. There's a lot that we need to polish on defense. Uh, go back, watch film, uh, get these things, you know, taken care of in practice. And hopefully, like I said, after a bad game in Miami, we can go out there and do work against the Saints. J.D.? Well, uh, you know, I, I keep going back to, you, you know, you got to be able to establish a running game. You have to. And I, and I think that during this time, uh, maybe against New Orleans, which they have a, a great defense, they got a great front four to do a tremendous job. They come after the football. They're going to they're gonna come after our offensive line. And so that's always a test for me. The offensive line, a running game, how are we going to do against the, a team like this? New Orleans got a great, a great pass rush. But also, too, we got to see, you know, how each back complements off each other. I think in this past game, we kind of seen it a little bit, but I, I think we need to get a little bit better because I'm telling you, to win it all, I think you have to have an established running game. I don't think we quite got that just yet, but we have to have one uh, to, to go ahead and go far. But I, I think right now, this is going to be a good week to see what we can do. I think the enemy and them kind of touched on the past week against, you know, a good defensive team. This is going to be a good week to see what we can do with the running game and see what, you know, we can do against that defensive front. And you you, you guys played in New Orleans. How – how I guess how beneficial is it for the Chiefs to play New Orleans without a without the fans there? Because I, I mean, the fans there are probably one of the, one of the best in the in the, uh, in, in the NFL. I mean, majority of the places you play, the fans are going to support their squad, so you're going to hear crowd noise no matter what. Right, uh, right now with no fans, yeah, it, it kind of plays into our advantage, um, just because we're a finesse, trickery type offense. Um, but either way, um, you know, playing here, playing there. Uh, it, it doesn't really bother what we got on offensive on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Chiefs concern. That's one of my least concerns is what we do offensively. Uh, just because we get, like I said, you got Patrick Mahomes back there, I, you have nothing to worry about. For sure, JD. Any uh, this, what, what, well, of course, you know I know playing down New Orleans, it was always tough. You know, to hear the stat count. I mean, really, you had to concentrate to hear, you know, them going through the snap count, going through the, you know, the uh, the cadence, 
But now, like, the, the crowd is out of it, like Eric said, you know I mean, because you're doing a lot of motion and stuff. So, guys, if you don't hear it, you know, you got to almost feel guys coming in motion, you know, and, and, and kind of seeing, especially, like, on the offensive line, a little difficult. But now the crowd's out of it, not a big deal. I mean, I, th- I just think it's going to be behind th- this same thing. I'm going to go to the quarterbacks. It's going to be who's going who's gonna to come out here and do well. And it's going to be these two guys want to do well for their teams, man. That's what it's going to be about, Mahomes and, and Breeze. Yeah, kind of crazy too. I I know uh, what Monday. Uh, what's his name? Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator for uh, Cleveland. Eric, you picked him off. And if this week if Drew Brees uh, plays against us, that's another guy you picked off. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Clock running, third down and twelve from the shotgun. As Brees stands up, strong throws, picked off. It's intercepted by Warfield, the left corner. And the Chiefs have it. All right, so that does it for this week, guys. It was a great show. It was amazing, and it was awesome to have legendary head coach uh, Dick Vermeil on. Uh, next week, we'll talk about the aftermath of the Saints game and discuss the upcoming Falcons game. If anyone in Chiefs Kingdom has any Chief Concerns for these two, please tweet at us at, at @concernschief and please subscribe and follow Chief Concerns on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Guys, another good one. Great. Take care, guys. Great. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.